Good morning. Welcome to this pre-recorded worship service of Church of the Palms in Sarasota, Florida for Sunday, November 8th. We are glad that you are worshiping with us today. Our bulletin can be found on the website of the church. Please prepare for a worship, worshipful space in your home or wherever you are. Try to silence your telephones and perhaps you want to light a candle or two and gather your pets and your stuffed animals to be with you. The fruit of the spirit that we have been focusing on this month is peace. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good as long as you shall live. Let us worship God.
the God revealed to us in the pages of the scriptures is a welcoming and an inclusive God who wants us to love him and love others. Let us seek to remove all the barriers that keep us from that love as we confess all that separates us from each other and from God. Merciful God, you pardon all who truly repent and turn to you. We humbly confess our sins and ask for your mercy. We have not loved you with a pure heart, nor have we loved our neighbor as ourselves. We have not done justice, loved kindness, or walked humbly with you, our God. Have mercy on us, O God, in your loving kindness. In your great compassion, cleanse us from our sin. Create in us a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within us. Do not cast us from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from us. Restore us the joy of your salvation and sustain us with your bountiful spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. When we face ourselves and our God with the awareness of our need, God gives us forgiveness and the grace to grow and the courage to continue the journey. So hear the good news. Those who are in Christ are a new creation. The old has passed away and behold, the new has come. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Now we want to share that historic creed that has held Christians together in faith, a common faith for all these decades and hundreds of years, the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, son suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting, amen. And now in the sanctuary of your home, we ask you to greet one another as we pass the peace among our congregation. Life is very much going on at Church of the Palms. We have many good news, and there is a survey online which is available to everybody. We would invite you to take a look at and take the survey and know that it is anonymous. And in this middle of pandemic, it would be very helpful if you take the surveys for us to know how to continue to serve you and serve with you. So your feedback is very important. 
And also, good news in children's ministry, the children's ministry in person will resume today on November 8th. There will be two tiers of program children's worship. There will be abbreviated one from 9.30 to 10 in the upstairs educational building in room 105 and 107. There is also a full hour children's worship service um, worship experience from 10.30 to 11.30 led by uh, Miss Carol. So all the children are invited and we're very excited about this new beginning. And also, we have Taze services, very ably and beautifully prepared and led by our very own Genevieve on Saturday mornings at 8 o'clock. You can tune in and worship uh, with the service. It is a very contemplative service, and it's 8 o'clock on Saturday mornings. It will go on until December 5th. And also, C.S. Lewis's video to um, as a compliment and actually um, to go with God and Hollywood series, Pastor Steve's short lectures are also on church's YouTube and website. Please check on those and also you're welcome to join at Wednesday evenings at 6.30. And we continue to support Salvation Army at Christmas time, so Advent Christmas bell ringing will continue to happen at the publics where Beneva and Be Rich meet. Um, you can sign up online at the church's website or by calling the church office. This month's fruit of the spirit is peace. We invite you to send us a photo of yourself at a place where you feel peace or peace is brought to you and submit that to Jackie Gomez at jgomez at churchofthepalms.org. And there was a very important meeting and gathering that happened called Let There Be Peace on Monday evening at the back 40 over there, praying for peace for our nation and the night before election, which we have a video presentation for you.
Our Psalter reading comes today from Psalm 91. You who live in the shelter of the Most High, who abide in the shadow of the Almighty, will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night or the arrow that flies by day or the pestilence that stalks in darkness or the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your refuge, the most high your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, no scourge come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Those who love me, I will deliver. I will protect those who know my name. When they call to me, I will answer them. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue them and honor them. With long life, I will satisfy them and show them my salvation. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, once again, we come to you as children in need of shelter. Once again, we come to you for we know that those who live in the shelter of the Most High, who dwell in the shadow of the Almighty, will say to you that you are our refuge and fortress, our God in whom we trust. We acknowledge in our Pledge of Allegiance that we are one nation under God, one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. Oh God, we do not feel like one nation. We do not feel indivisible, and we can wonder sometimes if we are really even under the divine hand of the Creator. But we know better. We are your children. We know better. As brothers and sisters in Christ, we know better. We know that all people, all Americans, all men and women of all nations dwell in the shelter of the Most High. All are citizens of the kingdom. All are one in the image of God. All were formed by the hand of the potter. All were given a divine meaning and purpose. Our passions may divide us, our opinions may set us apart, our convictions may put us on different paths, but at the beginning when we were knit together in our mother's wombs and came forth into the world and drew our first breaths, we were not of any party or politic, we were your children. We praise you for worship where we can gather and remember that in heaven there will be no banners, there will be no bumper stickers, there will be no bunting. In heaven there will be the saints all dressed in white, bowing before the one on the throne and the Lamb of God. Oh God, we know that it is your invitation for us to come to your banqueting table and recognize that the only banner, the only banner over us is the banner of your love. Love is the only language spoken. Love is the only spirit by which we commune. Love is the only mission of which we are a part. For this is love, not that we loved you, but that you loved us and sent your Son to be the worthy sacrifice for our sins. We bless you for your love, for after the last vote is counted, the only vote that counts is the vote you cast for us. And we praise you and we worship you and we adore you for you have cast your vote for us. And we pray that despite what the last votes may say in these days to come, that we would turn our attention to the great calling for us to cast our votes for others. To let your light shine in our church that all may see that we are one, we are indivisible, we are under God, and we seek always the liberty and justice of all your people. We seek always to cast votes for the other. 
For we pray this in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So somebody asked me the other day if COP was back in business yet. And I paused, and I knew what he was referring to, opening up public worship, but I still couldn't help myself from saying that the Church of the Palms never stopped doing business, feeding hundreds of families every day, operating our preschool, reaching out to every church member, performing funerals and weddings, hosting children's and youth Zoom gatherings, daily devotions, adult education, presently four services every week. If anything, what this COVID season has allowed us to do is to actually be in more business. And we thank you for your support and your encouragement and your generosity. We are all beginning to realize that COVID is not going away anytime soon. And so we encourage you to remain strong in your support of our business. In this crazy world, we feel like it is incumbent upon us even more to be bold with our business, to give hope and light to this fearful world. The giving options, of course, are on your screen. And in advance, please know of our gratitude.
Let us pray. We give you thanks, O oh God, for your goodness and your blessings we receive every day. This moment in worship, we bring back to you our, a little bit of what we have received from you as a token of our love and gratitude. Bless these and use them as your instruments of love, grace, justice, and peacemaking all over the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, all the children, I like to invite you all to come closer to the screen, whichever screen that you're nearby, for a special moment for you. And I would like to introduce to you my friend, my teddy bear. His name is Brown Bear. He's a gift given to me by the church where I was ordained for, for the first time a long, long, long time ago, 21 years ago, I was leaving them, so they give this to me. His, they named him Brown Bear because my nickname there among my friends was Brown Girl, just as my skin is brown. And so anyways, Mr. Brown Bear came with me everywhere I have gone to. The reason they give me this Mr. Bear, Brown Bear, is so they wanted me to know they couldn't come with me, but they wanted me to know that they will always love me. And they also knew I didn't want to really leave them. I just married Will Brown, so I had to leave. And so they wanted me to go in peace. So I did go in peace, I still am at peace. And that brings me to one of the stories that Pastor Steve will be reading to you a little bit later before the sermon. It's about this lady, a woman who had been sick for 12 years. He, she said to herself, if I only can touch the cloak of Jesus, I'll get well. And she did touch Jesus' cloak and she got well. And then Jesus told her, your faith made you well, go in peace. So I really like that line, go in peace. We are celebrating and learning and practicing peace this month as the spiritual, the fruit of the, fruit of the spirit. And I want you to know that it's very important that you are at peace about yourself. You're at peace that God loves you just the way you are. If you're at peace within yourself, you would make peace with people around you and people will notice that and then you become a peacemaker with people near you as well as far away, all the way to the whole globe. And I hope you'll remember that. Let us pray. We give you thanks, O oh God, for the peace that you have given us. Make us your peacemakers near and far every day of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Thanks again to our singers. We are so blessed to have you. Uh, you have been such a faithful um, ministrants in the midst of our time of COVID, and we look forward to many more weeks to come, and to Genevieve, who is their great leader, and Jonathan, who's not with us today. So we're so grateful. Thank you. So we are in the season of uh, the fruit of the spirit of peace, and we are reflecting upon the different facets of peace in our lives and wondering about how we can incorporate the gift of peace, the fruit of peace within us. So to that end, we're gonna be reading from a couple of texts from the New Testament, the first from 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. Hear the word of God. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Discipline yourselves, keep alert. Like a roaring lion, your adversary, the devil, prowls around looking for someone to devour. Resist him steadfast in your faith, for you know that your brothers and sisters in all the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. And then from the Gospel of Mark, the fifth chapter, beginning at the 24th verse. And a large crowd followed Jesus and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had, and she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. For she said, if I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately her hemorrhage stopped and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing in on you? How can you say who touched me? And he looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Oh, by your grace and your mercy, we pray, O oh Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. For we pray this in his name. Amen. I am the youngest of four boys. We have no sisters. Now, there are benefits and there are drawbacks to being the youngest of four boys. The greatest benefit to being the youngest of four is not only do you get, not only do you get to learn from all your brother's mistakes, but by the time your parents get to you, the first three have so exhausted them, they are willing pretty much to let you parent yourself. Things that my older brothers were not allowed to do until they were 16 or 18, I was allowed to do at age five or six. Just kidding. When I was 14, however, my parents left me home alone for two weeks while, I went on a, while they went on a trip to Europe. Of course, I had half the congregation checking in on me while they were gone, but still 14 years old. Let's say I was on cruise control. The downside of being the youngest of four boys is first, there ends up being very few pictures of you when you were a baby. My oldest brother had 900 pictures taken of him in the first week of his life. The earliest picture we have of me was my high school graduation. The other disadvantage of being the youngest of four boys is that the other three see you as open game. You become the outlet for their anger, frustration, bad grades, stress, broken hearts, poor judgment, and sadistic imagination. Often these terroristic episodes would take place when I was left alone with one or more of my brothers who had been assigned to babysit me. I used to beg my mother for an out-of-the-family babysitter. I seldom got one. 
On one such episode, I'm often fond of sharing this with my family when we have our family ga gatherings. It was the night when one of my brothers, who will remain nameless, was left to babysit me, and not long after my parents went out, my brother called me out to the backyard and pointed up to the sky to this, this bird that was flying around. It was a pretty large bird, it might have been a hawk or something, just sort of floating up in the sky, and my brother said, you see that bird up there? And I said, yes. He says, he said, you know, um, you see how it's flying in that very certain pattern? I said, yeah, I think so. He said, well, you know, that pattern really tells us that that's not a bird. That's really the boogeyman. And, and I can tell that that boogeyman is coming for you, and he's coming for you tonight. Well, I was about five years old at that point, young enough that I swallowed this hook, line, and sinker, and for the next couple of hours as we sat in the house, wherever that, whenever there was a sound, a creak, or a clank, my brother would suggest that that was, that was probably the boogeyman making his way for me. Then, of course, eventually bedtime came, and after I climbed into bed, my brother, as he was closing the door to my dark room, said, you know, usually the boogeyman waits until you fall asleep before he comes. So if I don't see you in the morning, nice knowing you. So of course I lied there wide awake. <clears throat> Every sound in the house got louder and louder and it meant to me that the boogeyman was getting closer and closer and I begged and I prayed that God would be merciful. Finally, finally, thank God, my parents came in the house and I can remember my mother opening the door to check in on me and so she could, and she could see me awake lying there and she came and sat down on the side of my bed and, explained, and I explained to her my brother's prophecy of the boogeyman and she told me that there was no such thing as the boogeyman and that I had nothing to be afraid of. And I was glad for her words, but what I was more glad for was her presence. I was just so glad she was there. And so she asked if I wanted her to stay there until I fell asleep. And I said, would you? And she did, and it felt so good to fall asleep in my mother's presence doesn't take a lot, and it most certainly doesn't take the truth to get us worried. I remember when I was a little older and went to see a movie with my family starring Audrey Hepburn called Wait Until Dark. Wait Until Dark has one of those popcorn tossing scenes when someone leaps from the shadows unsuspectingly and the place screams. And, and when I got home, there was not a dark room I entered. There was not a closet I opened without being convinced that a dangerous stranger lurked and was ready to leap. The world can be a frightening place. From childhood on, we have been led to believe that there are monsters and creatures and boogeymen out there to get us. Sometimes they're real, but most of the time, we know they're not. I once read of a survey that indicated that 40% of our time is spent worrying about things that never happen. 30% of our time is spent worrying about things that we can't change. 20% of our time is spent worrying over the misinterpretation of the comments of others. What did she mean when she said that? And 10% of our worry is over our own health, which only gets worse the more we worry. There is no magic age at which we cease lying awake in our beds imagining the worst things that could happen. Half of us are worried about getting behind, the other half are worried that we're, too f that we're not far enough ahead, a pain in your side means a tumor, a dip in the market means your, your retirement is going to be meant you sleeping on a park bench, your daughter asking for the car keys means you're going to get a call from the sheriff, the election might go against you and now the world's going to end. The bird up in the air is not really a bird. It's the boogeyman. I read an article a while ago that reported the encouraging news about a study that indicated that a good night's sleep actually increases one's risk of a heart attack. The deeper you sleep, the more you dream, the more you dream, the faster your heart beats, the faster your heart beats, the more chance you have of having a heart attack. What great news! The boogeyman is everywhere. It's the truth, isn't it? It doesn't take much to twist ourselves in knots over things real and unreal, to hear the voices that warn of ominous things to come, to lie awake wondering when is the next shoe going to drop. The Apostle Paul says, don't worry about anything, and we wonder what world could he be living in. 
Anxiety, it seems, is a way of life. Is that not the case for you? Add on top of that a global pandemic, an election, an unstable economy, and the uncertainty of the future, and you got yourself a recipe for being completely overwhelmed. Overwhelmed might be the word to use when describing this woman that Mark tells us about, the woman who is living out all of our worst fears. Maybe it, it, maybe it might be more accurate to call her life a perfect storm. Not only is she unwell, not only can she not find a way to get better, not only does she get word from the doctors that they don't know what to do, not only has she emptied her bank account trying to find the answers, on top of all that, her illness was one of those illnesses that rendered her under the law unclean, untouchable, undesirable, unwelcome, unwanted. She was living out her worst fears, our worst fears. The boogeyman for her was not a joke. Not only does she not have the body, the resources, the medical attention she needs, this poor woman doesn't even have a friend. She has no one to touch and no one to touch her. She is a COVID patient in intensive care, pulled away from all who might be there to comfort her. Mark tells us that in the midst of this overwhelmness, in the midst of this perfect storm, in the midst of living out all of our worst fears, Mark tells us that she reached out and felt the presence. She reached out amidst the crushing crowd, through all those who could not help her, through all those who would not help her. She reached out into, in the midst of the pressing crowd, and she touched the presence of Jesus. She touched the hem of his robe, and scripture says that she felt in her body that she was being healed. And Jesus turns to her and says, you reached into the presence. You, you touched the fringe of my presence, and your faith has made you well. You reached into the presence. You reached into the fringe of my presence, and your faith has made you well. John, the gospel writer, says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. And the apostle says, glory is of the only Son from the Father, and the glory comes from the presence, and the presence brings the healing. The presence takes on the burden. Cast all your anxiety on him, First Peter says, because he cares for you. He opens the door into the dark room of your worry, sits at the edge of the bed, and says, reach into my presence. Rest in my presence. Come unto me, and you will find rest for your souls. Joy Davidman Gresham, the woman whom C.S. Lewis married later in his life, had been in a previ previous season of her life a far ways away from sensing the presence of God. A, a child prodigy who had attended Hunter College in New York City at the age of 14, who shared a prestigious poetry prize at the age of 23 with Robert Frost, who reveled in her associations with the Communist Party, and who took pride in her atheism. But then life turned against her. Her husband's life began to fall apart. The challenges of motherhood got to be too much. And when finally she got a call one afternoon from her husband who said, that she, that, who said he was having likely a nervous breakdown and that he wasn't coming back home and hung up, it was then that she had reached the end of her rope. She wrote, for the first time in my life, I felt helpless. For the first time, my pride was forced to admit that I was not, after all, the master of my fate, the captain of my soul. All my defenses, the walls of arrogance and cocksureness and self-love behind which I had hid from God went down momentarily and God came in. That night there was a person with me in the room, directly present to my consciousness. A person so real that all my previous life was by comparison mere shadow play. And I myself was more alive than I had ever been. It was 
like waking from sleep. I saw myself as I really was, with dismay and repentance and seeing I changed. I think I might have been the world's most astonished atheist. You who live in the shelter of the Most High, who abide in the shadow of the Almighty, will someday say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Remember when Jesus comes to visit Mary and Martha and Mary is banging around in the kitchen getting dinner ready for Jesus and Mary, her sister, is sitting at Jesus' feet listening to him teach and Martha comes out of the kitchen all hot and bothered and ticked off that her sister isn't helping and Jesus says, Martha, you're worried and distracted. You're worried and distracted by many things. There's need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. Mary knows that she's in the presence. I wonder if I'm not a lot like Martha, banging around in the kitchen, getting all hot and bothered by life, worried and distracted by many things, watching the news, scrolling my Twitter feed, checking the stock market, and I wake at 3 a.m. and wonder and convince myself that the perfect storm is brewing around me. COVID, the economy, the election, who will be the next president? That there seems this perfect storm, but right on the other side of the door, is the presence of God. Actually, right on this side of the door is the presence of God. And it's not the storm that's perfect. It's Jesus who's perfect. There is no perfect storm because there is one whom even the waves and the wind obey. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is in your midst. The presence of Christ is right here. And the invitation is to sit at Jesus' feet. Right within reach is the chance to bring an end to my anxiety. Because you know, I'm wondering if it might not just be true that we don't have to live such anxious lives. It may be that our lives will be hard and our lives will be complex. And yes, our lives will be painful and our lives will be uncertain. And our lives right now are even devoid of the touch that we so desire between two human beings. But still, there's the presence, the fringe of the presence the place where no boogeyman can touch you. Jesus said, oh, in this world, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Cast all your anxiety on him, for he cares for you.
Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen.